to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. I want you to remain standing, and if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I want you to turn to the last psalm, the 150th psalm, and I want to read it. It's very short, six verses. Look. Here's how it works. I've already done this one service. I'm just going to tell you how it is. I got to throw down, get down, let's have church camp meeting revival message this morning. If y'all don't get with me, I'm going to just do it all by myself. But it ain't, it ain't for me sermon. It's for you sermon. So I got a mess. We're just going to throw down and have church. Does that sound all right? Okay, I might not throw down next week, but I got to throw down today, and all I can do is throw it down. But I got a message. Now listen to me that if you will listen to what I'm preaching, as we're shouting and having a big time, if you will listen to what I'm preaching and you will apply it to your life and take some steps, this could be a landmark Sunday for you. It will change your spiritual life. It could be revolutionary. How many would like a day like that today? Wouldn't that be awesome? Okay? So I just, ooh, I set it up, didn't I? Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty firmament. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the lute and the harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and the dance. I like that last part. Praise Him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with clashing cymbals. Let everything everything that has breath every living creature let everything that has breath praise the Lord praise ye the Lord hallelujah Woo! y'all feel what I feel don't you you may be seated just stay with me let's go somewhere I love this psalm this psalm begins and ends with one simple phrase praise the Lord If you want to know, you need to know that word, those three words are summed up in one word, a Hebrew word, a word that we use, a word that transcends all languages. It's amazing. This one word is used in in languages around the world. It is the word hallelujah. So they could have said hallelujah at the beginning and the end, and in essence, they did. But for our translation's sake, the translators wrote, praise the Lord. It's the same thing. There are two vital truths about this word that I want you to grasp today. Hallelujah, or the words, praise the Lord. The first truth is that it is a command. I don't have time to take you into the Hebrew language and show you what is written there all throughout the Bible, but it is a command. You have to just take my word for it or go search it out for yourself. God commands us to praise Him. It's not an option. It's not an alternative choice. It's it's what God wants. It's not just what God desires, y'all. It's what God wants from you. He wants you to praise Him. But not only is it a command, but it is a call. It's an invitation from God for the church and for you as a believer to step up and give God what is rightfully His, what He deserves, and that is 
glory and honor and praise. In the Old Testament Hebraic, Hebraic culture, when the people of God would get together, and whether it was the praise team or a priest, someone, some point in, in a gathering would say, Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And when that occurred, it was understood that that was an invitation to respond. There was a provocation, if you will. And the people of God would then say, Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. For the Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. I love you. I praise you. Magnify him. Lift him up and ex- oh, magnify the Lord. Let us exalt his name together. They would respond with praise. Now, I know that's an Old Testament concept. It's a Hebraic concept, but it's a concept that transcends the covenants and it transcend, transcends the times. God still commands us to praise him, and that word is still an invitation to God's people. You know, the African-American church, the black church, has really got a hold of this in their culture, most of them. I don't want to paint with a broad brush, but I've preached in many black churches. And they have this in their culture. They have inculcated this in their culture. They, they have understood that as their, as their preacher is preaching or as people are singing, even when people get up, that there is an understanding that, that it's not a solo act. It's not a performance on the stage. But, but praise is something that functions throughout the entire body. And so when the preacher is preaching, the people will respond with something blesses them with hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory be to God. I, I preached it at one church, Evergreen Baptist Church. I was preaching in a big way, and one of the ladies was getting blessed real good. She stood up and said, ooh, she said, that's nasty, Pastor. Ooh, that's just nasty. Now, I've never heard anybody praise the Lord like that, but that's how she praised him that morning. Years ago, I went to Canada, and I preached in a, in a church that was comprised of Jamaicans who had moved there, a Jamaican congregation, and every person who came to the platform and to the lectern or the podium, every person, whether they were getting, giving, get, receiving the offering or giving the announcements or introducing me, doesn't matter. Every person that got up, the first thing they would do, they'd say, let's praise the Lord. And the congregation understood that was a call to them. They'd say, praise the Lord. And if the person at the lectern didn't feel like they did a very good job, they said, mm. I said, let's praise the Lord. And then the congregation would give it a little more. Praise the Lord. And I was sitting in that, and I thought, you know, we don't do that in white churches, but I like it because they're teaching the people that praise is important and that praise is not an option. It's a command, and it's a call. And let me tell you something. When God calls you and gives you an invitation, that is something special. And we should respond to it when we get an opportunity to praise him. So I know we don't do this here, but through the years I have tried to incorporate that and teach that here. And I know some of you, some of you, this will be fresh and new for you, but I want some of you to learn how to praise the Lord. I want some of you to get your freedom. I want some of you to be emancipated and liberated today because some of you came from a non-Pentecostal background. Some of you had no church background at all. Ooh, hold on now, pull your toes up in your shoes. Some of you grew up in a Pentecostal home, and that's half your problem because this has become so familiar to you, you have taken it for granted. So let me just help you with it. We're going to practice. I'm going to say hallelujah. And when I say hallelujah, I want you to respond genuinely with praise the Lord. You ready? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. There you go. Doesn't that feel good? All right, now it's probably about 12 of you didn't participate. You missed out. 
So let me give you one more chance. Men, we are supposed to be the leaders of praise. Sorry, women, but men, there ought to be a big booming voice of men's voices here. Okay? Let's try it again. I'm going to say praise the Lord, y'all. Y'all just do whatever you want to do. Glory, hallelujah, praise the Lord. You ready? Praise the Lord. Ooh, that felt good, didn't it? If I can scream and yell at a TV when a football team's playing, I made up my mind. I'm going to give Jesus everything I got on Sunday. I'm not holding back on him. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. This Thursday is Thanksgiving Day. And Thanksgiving is a form of praise and worship. And Psalm 150 concerns itself with extreme praise. So to me, this being Thanksgiving week, it seemed appropriate that we look at this verse and extrapolate its truth. So I want you to pay attention to it. And I reiterate, if you will listen to me, it can liberate you and take your praise to another level. So a couple truths. Here's truth number one. And I'm only preaching the first two verses. I've got a whole other sermon. I can preach the last, the remainder of the, the psalm. Truth number one. This is what the psalmist says. Y'all ready? You can praise God anywhere. Therefore, you should praise him everywhere. That's what it's saying. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in, in, in his mighty firmament. Praise him anywhere. Now, often we relegate praise to the house of God alone. Like this is the praise in place. Like if I'm going to praise him, I have to be in a church building. In other words, it's assigned place is the church. Now, you should come to church fully intending to give God thanks and give him praise. That's, I'm trying to teach you that. I think you're getting that. The Bible says, praise him in the sanctuary. So praise is appropriate in the house of God. Psalm 100 verses 4 and 5 says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. When you come through the back door, you should come with a praise on your lips. When you, when you walk through the double doors and come into this sanctuary, there ought to be praise in your heart ready to offer to the Lord. 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Get that. A royal priesthood. Why? That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. If you have been saved and you were once in darkness, but God shined the light of the truth on you and God has redeemed you, you have to understand that your position has changed. You are now a royal priest. You are a spiritual popper and a popper and a puppet of the devil when God found you, but when he saved you, he made you a priest with a purpose to praise. So you have a job to do when you come to this church. Each week when you walk in here, you have a job to do, and that's to praise him. You may think that it's the praise team's job, but you're only partly correct. It's your job as God's royal priest to open up your mouth and lift your voice and give God praise. 
You don't get to just sit there. You don't get to just stand there. You're not listening to me. You have a job to do. The Bible says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You put it on like a cloth, like clothing, and you come in here and you give it to God. You say, but I've had a bad week. Doesn't matter. Take it off out in the parking lot and leave it in the car. You may have had a fight on the way to church. I don't care. Make up in the make up in the car, leave it in the car, and when you walk in this place, you come in with praise on your lips. You come in saying, I've got a job to do, and I can't get out of here until I finish doing what God has called me to do, and that's magnify him, exalt him, honor him, glorify him, and lift him up. You got a job to do. Look at somebody say, You got a job to do. That's why Hebrews 13, 15 says, therefore. By him, by Jesus, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. You got to praise him. You got to praise him. I'm just trying to get it across. You've got to praise him. I wish I had time. There's power in praise. You say, Pastor, why does it matter whether or not I sing? Why does it matter whether or not I clap my hands? Why does it matter whether or not I open my mouth and say glory or hallelujah? What, what, what does it matter? What if I don't feel like doing it? Because I preach like this, and I guarantee you there's two, three, four people that have sat here and haven't done one thing yet who've said essentially, I don't care if you are the pastor, and I don't care if you're a man of God, and you're under the mandate of God right now. I ain't doing it because I don't feel like doing it. I'm not going to do what you say, God says, or anybody else. Now, that's scary. That scares me for you. But you need to humble yourself and realize that you could be in hell right now, but God saved you. God looked down on you and had mercy, and you ain't nothing but a flea. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? Stop thinking more of yourself. When you walk in this place, this ain't your house. This is God's house. And when you walk in God's house, you ought to give God honor. You ought to give him, you ain't listening to me. You ought to give him praise. You ought to give him what's his. Don't offend him. Don't insult him. You give him what's due. You give him what's due. And yet, let me tell you why there's power in praise. Because there are people that can come to church that aren't even saved, and we start praising him. And the anointing of God comes down and the spirit of the Lord begins to flow and the songs, the words of the song, God takes him and starts using him to impact that person. And for all you know, somebody might give their life to Jesus because you're worshiping the Lord. I'm glad my mom and dad are here today. Dad hadn't been, has not been able to come and dad's here today, mom's here today. I love you so much. You know how good it is for me to just look back and see you. But my dad would preach. I'm going to preach for you, dad. Dad used to tell a story. I remember all dad's stories. See, he was a good preacher because I remembered him. And, and Dad told this story about a guy that went to church one night in a revival. And the evangelist preached, gave an altar call. The guy went to the altar and gave his life to the Lord. The evangelist got to him after church, one little affirmation, maybe a little something to help him in his ministry. He said, sir, I'm so glad God saved you. He said, let me ask you something. This will really help me. What was it that I said tonight that God used to, to prompt you to come to the altar and give your life to the Lord? And a little sheepishly, the guy grinned, looked at him and said, preacher, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but it wasn't one thing you said. 
He said, okay. He said, then what happened? And he said, I'll tell you what happened. He said, while y'all were singing tonight, he said, there was a little white-haired old lady up there ahead of me, looked just like my grandma. She started shouting and praising and rejoicing, and it reminded me of my grandmother when I was a kid. She used to take me to church. She lived right. She was godly, and I realized I need what my grandma had. I was in sin. I needed to get my right heart right with God. And he said, it was because that little woman, praising the Lord, don't tell me that you just get to sit there and do nothing. If you'll just lift your hands and sing and clap and rejoice, somebody three rows over might be watching you and saying, I want what they've got. I want what they've got. And yet, even though you should praise him at church, your praise to God should be offered all the time in all places, not just on Sunday. God is omnipresent. Thus, if God is everywhere, you can praise him anywhere. And you should praise him You can praise him while driving down the road in your vehicle. Turn off WSSL. Turn off 98.9. Okay? Turn off off your, your, your phone. Put on something that's spiritual. Put on something that'll take you into the presence of the Lord. Just every once in a while. You can praise him while you're driving down the road in your car. You can praise him while playing a round of golf on the golf course. Now, if you're hitting the ball bad, you're probably going to lose your sanctification. You can praise him at your place of employment while you do your job. That's right. Are you ashamed to praise him at your work? You afraid what somebody will say? Come on, somebody. Don't you be ashamed. You can praise him while you are pushing the shopping cart down the aisle at the grocery store. Or as we say down south, the buggy. You can praise him any place. You can turn any place into a sanctuary. So, brothers and sisters, let's praise him anywhere. How about that? You know, the Bible says praise him in the firmament. Do you think about the angels? The angels fill heaven with his praises. And they've never known salvation. How much more should those of us who have had our sins washed away and our lives gloriously changed fill this earth, fill our car, fill our home, fill our lives with the sounds of glory? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you, God, for saving me and changing my life. We ought to fill everywhere we go with his praises. So anytime is a good time to praise the Lord. Here's the second truth. There's always a reason to praise him. Always. Anytime is a good time to praise the Lord. Anytime. Now, I've known people, I have, who can't praise Jesus unless the circumstances are just right. They have established certain prerequisites for their praise to be released. They have hinged contingencies on their praise in order for it to occur. Prerequisites. Everything in life must be going good and wonderful in order for them to praise him. If it's not, they're not going to praise him. Um, the music at church has to be a certain style or genre, or there has to be a certain beat in order for them to praise. Uh, I've known people that said, well, I want to praise him, but 
I'm going to wait on everybody else. And when everybody else cuts loose, then if, it's, if I feel just right, then I'll, I'll jump in. I'm a late adopter. And I'll get in there right on the tail end of it. And that's the only time they'll praise the Lord. Listen, I need to remind you, praise to your God is not designed to be weighed down with your contingencies. Praise should never be about you and how you feel. It's always about him and how he feels. And any time is a good time to praise him. You can praise him with tears running down your face. You can praise him when the doctor gives you bad news. You can praise him when it feels like nothing is going right. You can praise him when your kids are giving you a fit, when your wayward son is just seeming to get further and further from God. You can praise him when your marriage seems to have gotten upon the rocks. You can praise him when your health's not good and and you feel weak all the time. You can praise him when things aren't going well at work and the boss is giving you a hard time and you're, you're feeling threatened that you might not even have a job. Let me tell you something. You cannot allow external circumstances to dictate when and where you you praise. Know from within, from a place within, knowing who you are and where you are with Christ, you can always offer up a praise to him. You can praise him on the mountain and you can praise him while you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death and you'll still feel God because God is everywhere. You ought to praise him. (laughs) Let me offer to you two reasons why you can always praise the Lord. And I find these in this psalm, you can praise him for who he is. The writer said, praise him according to his excellent greatness. Ain't nobody like Jesus, is there? There's no God like Jehovah. You know, everyone is theological. You know that, right? Everyone has a belief in in or about God. Everybody does. Don't let anybody ever tell you, say, I'm not theological. Say, oh, yes, you are. Everybody. Say, Pastor, what about an atheist? They're theological. They believe there is no God. That's their theology. See, everybody has has a theology. You have a theology. Your theology affects your praise and worship. It fuels it. Let me say it to you this way. The level of your praise is directly proportional to the level of your theology. So here's the point, and I preached this last Sunday if you were here, so let me remind you. Do you know him? Because the more you know him and the more you know about him, the more you will praise him. Why do some people just seem to praise him so much with such passion? Because they know him. They can tell you what he did for him that week. They got, a, they got a, a, a history of the times he's come through. They can tell you stories. They know him. Yes, theologically, they know things about him, and that, that helps too. That's important, but they, they intimately have experiential knowledge of who he is and what he's done. And so that's important. Do you know him? How well do you know him? Are you getting to know him more? Listen to me. Boy, this is tweetable. The greater your revelation of God, the greater the range of your praise. God told Moses, 
He wanted Moses to know him. He wanted the children of Israel to know him. So he said, God, what's your name? What, what, who, do I, who are you? Who do I tell them is sending me to bring them out of Egypt? He said, tell them my name is I Am. I Am. I imagine that's not a very popular boy's name today. Wouldn't recommend it. But that's God's name, I Am. And when I think about it, there's so much that you can draw from this powerful, wonderful covenant name of God. Well, let me give you three things. Number one, it tells me that he is the present tense God. Present tense God. What do you mean, Pastor? He's right here, right now. He's a right now God. He's not the God of yesteryear. He's not the God of tomorrow. Now, he is, but I am tells me he's the God of right now. Because don't worry about it. He's I am today, but when tomorrow gets here, he'll be I am again. Six years from now, he'll still be I am. I won't be talking about who he used to be and what he used to do. I can, but I can talk about who he is right now. He's a, he is the present tense God. He's a right now God. Second, he's a persisting God. That's what it tells me. He's an immutable God. He's an unchanging God. See, he, he, he may be Jesus Christ yesterday, today, and forever, but he's the same. So he's I am. So I said he's I am yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's a persistent God. He's eternal. He'll always, nothing about him will switch to where I'm going to go. So wait a minute. You were this three years ago, but you're not that anymore. It will never happen because he's a great I am. So he's the God of the present tense, and he's a God who's a persisting God, and then he is the providential God. He is the God who will be what you need him to be. If you conjugate the verb to be, you say I am, you are, he is. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, in this simple teaching and preaching, you need to know who he is. Because when you know who he is, that's what you will praise him with. He is good. He is faithful. He, see, all those things. The more you praise him or know him, the more you'll be able to praise him. Now, I'm going to help you with this this morning. I'm going to try. I got creative, and I went through the alphabet, and I said, you know, I bet I could correlate the attributes of God and the characteristics of God that we find in the Bible. I bet I could match them up. That might be a fun thing to do, and it was. And it's helped me to know God more than ever, and I hope it will help you. I started with the letter A. I said, so what is in the Bible that describes, that's descriptive of God that starts with the letter A? And here's what I found out. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. He is the alpha and the omega. He is your advocate with the Father. He is your atoning sacrifice for sin. You can stop right there and have yourself a praise session. So I went to B, and I found out that B means he's the bread of life, and he's the builder of the church, and he's the bridegroom, and you and I are the bride. And he is the bright and the morning star, and he is the beginning and the end. So I went to C, and I found out he's the captain of the armies of heaven and the captain of our salvation. He is the chief cornerstone. He is the chief shepherd, and he is the creator of all things, Genesis 1. Thought I'd go to D, and then I learned he is the doorway to heaven. He is your deliverer and the only divine being. How many knows there's no God but one? Went to E, and E tells me he is the eternal God and an ever-present help in your time of trouble. Looked at F, 
and learn that He is the firstborn of all creation. He's your heavenly Father, and He's faithful and true. Went to G, and I love this. He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He's the good shepherd, and He's the great God. I like H. He is the Holy One of Israel. He is your great high priest. He is your healer. And hey, Pentecostals, he's your Holy Ghost baptizer. Yeah. Oh, I figure you start praising him here sooner or later. Only found one for I, but I like it. He's your intercessor. Jay tells me he is just and justifier of men and the righteous judge. K is one of my favorites because he's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Come on, somebody. Praise him. Now, L, I really like because there's a lot of them. He's the Lamb of God. He's the Lily of the Valley. God is love. He is life. He is light. He is Lord. He is the living water. He is the living word. And y'all, he is the Lion of the tribe of Judah who has prevailed and overcome. Hey, hallelujah. I went to M and learned that he's the mediator between God and men. He's your master. He's your Messiah. And he is the mighty God. N tells me he is the name above all names. O tells me he is omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent. P says to me he is the prince of peace and the pearl of great price. Q. You said one for Q? Sure is. He is the one who comes quickly. And his reward is in his hand. R. Y'all might want to shout on this one. He's the root and the offspring of David. He's the rose of Sharon. He's the righteous branch. He's the resurrection and the life. He is your rock and he is your refuge. How many glad about that this morning? Now when I got to S, S is good because there are a lot of my S. He is sovereign. He is solid. He is the son of man. He is the son of God. He is the son of righteousness rising with healing in his wings. He is your savior. He is your song in the midnight hour. And I'm glad he is your soon coming king. Come on, somebody. Woo! T tells me that he is the truth. U tells me that he is unchanging and unlimited. V lets me know he is victorious in battle. W says to me, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he is your way maker who will make a way through. He'll make a way over. He'll make a way under. He'll make a way around because nobody can stop him. He is the God of the breakthrough. Now, I don't have one for X, Y, or Z, but I figure A through a W is enough to get somebody in this house to know who he is and praise him and magnify him. Do you know him? Do you know who he is? Hallelujah. Y'all sit down. I'm not done yet. Hold on. I'm almost done. Get ready. You're going to stand back up in a second. You praise him for who he is. And then you praise him for what he's done. Praise him for his mighty acts. That's what the Bible says, doesn't it? Praise him for his mighty acts. You praise him for his accomplishments in general. He created everything. He provides 
the rain and the sun and, and food. You think about him in his providential concern. But then when it gets intimate is when you praise him for what he's done for you. That's when you praise him. Those, those, they give you countless reasons to magnify Jesus. So here's my question. Did he save you? You ought to praise him. Did he wash your sins away? You ought to praise him. Has he written your name down in the Lamb's book of life? Aren't you on the record in heaven? Yeah, you ought to praise him. Did he redeem you from the slave market of sin? He did, didn't he? Then you ought to give him glory. Did he adopt you as his child? Are you a son of God or a daughter of God today? Well, that's something, isn't it? Then you ought to give him thanks. Did he die on the cross in your place? You ought to praise him. Has he eliminated guilt and fear and shame and you went to bed last night not worried about it? Did he give you joy unspeakable that's full of glory? Peace like a river, love like a fountain. If he has, you ought to praise him. Did he give you a second chance when everybody else had written you off and said there's no hope for her? There's no hope, but God came down and saved He saved your soul and you're not what you used to be. You ought to praise him this morning. Turn me up and y'all stand up. I need to blow him off this stage up here. Thank you. Has he been good to you? You ought to praise him. Has he snatched you from the jaws of death? You ought to praise him. Has he been faithful when everybody else turned their backs on you? You ought to praise him. Has he kept his word time and again? You ought to praise him. Has he, has he, has he opened up the windows of heaven and poured out blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing? Bless- My God, somebody ought to thank him. Has he been a friend that sticks closer than a brother? Has he supplied all of your needs according to his riches and glory? Has he defeated the devil when the hordes of hell were breathing down the back of your neck? Has he ever made a way where there was no way? Has he wiped away the tears from your eyes and wrapped you in his everlasting arms? And this is one everybody ought to thank him for. Has he ever extended mercy and grace to you when you blew it and you failed and you sinned and you came crawling back into the throne room saying, I'm not worthy. And God said, get up, I forgive you. And you're still my son and you're still my daughter. You ought to praise him today. Come on, praise him. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! Let the people praise Him. Let all the people praise Him today. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.